this is this is how I feel every time you talk. I just want to turn it down, all the way down. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh we're gonna start that way, are we? Okay, yeah. Bucko. All right, all right, Bucko Rooney. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. I'm Bob Galen. Hey, everyone. I'm interrupting. I don't talk. I don't always interrupt in the intro like this, and I don't talk so much. But I, I want to tell you, get ready. Strap yourself into your seat because Josh Anderson, for God's sakes, is fired up. He's fired up. Aren't you, Josh? Uh, it's almost a problem. Uh, I, I was fired up before we started recording. I was fired up while we were recording and I'm still fired up because we record the intro after we record the whole episode. So I'm fired exactly. up. So everyone, I'll, we'll enter it this way. Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> That'll work on to the episode. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm not. I haven't done that in so long. I'm Bob Galen. Welcome, everyone. (laughs) Yes. So we are distanced again. We were so excited to be together last episode, and then things got in the way, and we are distanced now. Metascasters, I have to share this. This is a set. I'll try to paint an image, a picture. I'm at my front bay windows looking out at the street in front of my house, and I I was looking for Josh. And every minute we put our dogs in the crate so as to not to disturb Josh. I kept looking out, pulling the <laughs> curtains aside, looking for a little white car. And then I would have a little smile on my face and I'd walk away. Sad. <laughs> a minute later, is he there? No. Is he there? And then I realized that Josh, we weren't we weren't getting together today. Josh, I was a sad old yeah. man looking for you in the street. I swear I'm to God. Sorry. It was just, it was, it was pathetic. My wife was, she was wondering if I was okay. (laughs) I I may have embellished it just a tad. Just a little, right? Just a a little melodrama. (laughs) But yes, we're separated Metacasters, but that does not, it may change the sound quality. It may change the interaction between Josh and I, but the quality of the thinking is, (laughs) is exactly the same. We're not saying it was good. It's exactly the same. <laughs> it's exactly the same. Exactly. Uh, we're, we're not quantifying it. So what's the topic today, Josh? Uh, topic today has Josh all fired up. This is something that I've been noticing of late as I read articles, sit on Discord and Slack servers, just kind of watch discussions happen. And what I'm seeing happen a lot of late that has me fired up is there's a lot of blaming frameworks and actually blaming things that aren't even frameworks. And really the message that I want to send to everybody out there is the framework is not the problem. You are the problem. Your implementation is the problem because you were hoping the silver bullet would come in and save the day and answer all of the questions that you may have on how to be as excellent as possible. But in reality, 
all these frameworks, A, are a framework, and B, are a guide for you to find your own path. But I see so many people that are lashing out at Spotify or framework X, Y, and Z for being the wrong one for you. And here's why, and here's why you shouldn't do it. And my view is that that's because we're looking at it wrong. So my hope is after this 40 or 50 minutes, we all have clarity. We all can learn from the frameworks that are out there, apply what makes sense to us and really get to that excellent state that we're trying to get to. So that's, that's where I'm fired up today, Bob. I hope I don't start screaming, but I might. So I'm sorry if I do. I, I can tell for God. I mean, I can't even get a word in the head. <laughs> <laughs> you go. I, I do want to make a distinction though, Josh, with yeah. your permission. Absolutely. Uh, I don't think Spotify is a framework. Correct. Um, so, so I, I think there's another level of, uh, confusion and mm-hmm. I like where you're going with this. So I think the level of confusion, there are people that are selling scaling frameworks, mm-hmm. uh, safe Nexus scrum at scale less and dad are on that list, right? They are, mm-hmm. they are packaged and marketed and certificated certificated <laughs> as scaling frameworks. Uh, Spotify never was. Uh, so now it's used in those same contexts, right? It's, right? it's a scale. It's a scaling thingy, but I do think it's different. Yeah. Um, and, and so it was packaged as lessons learned. Uh, yeah, so that's exactly. Make, so, yeah. So let's like, just make that distinction. Yep. Agree. Completely. As we go. Now, the problem is, I think to your point is people with silver bullets, whether they're packaged that way or not with people disengage their brain yeah, and, and they expect they disengage thinking they disengage you. And I've talked, we've talked this thread. We've had this thread, not this heated in the mm-hmm. metacast before, but people disengage their brain. They buy a freaking framework and it's that silver bullet thinking, right? It's the framework will solve everything for me. Uh, so that's, that's her, that's, that's sort of harass that a little bit. So, so yeah. it's not the frameworks that are the problem. It's the people buying the framework. Yeah. Right. Amen, brother. Absolutely. And, and, and so Spotify, I am a Spotify fan. What I am a huge fan of Spotify of is the fact that they took a stance. They shared it, said, Hey, this worked for us. Then problems came. People started blindly applying it and adopting all of the things all the while Spotify was evolving and changing and they continued to share, but nobody latched onto that. So what I'd like to do, Bob, is let's talk about how you and or I would apply a framework. Let's say we go learn a new framework. We go to a class or we invest in something that's online and we learn all these new things, what would we do? How would we handle that? See, I don't think I, I, I like where you're going, but I, I don't, I want to start without frameworks. Okay. I, I think, I, I think, I think even that's a silver bullet thing. I am, I am gosh darn tired of people. I was talking to, I was helping out a coaching partner the last few days and there was, they were coaching a client who had 
purchased, installed safe. And they were doing things. They, they were, they, and they, and they use terminology and this happens with Spotify. We're mm-hmm. not going agile anymore. We're, we're Spotify. And they were using terms like we've gone to safe. And I'm like, well, what the hell does that mean? I didn't say it quite that way. Right. Well, we're safe. We're agile. We're safe. And so all thinking crumbled. And it was like, so there was this all-encompassing package. It was like, you know, we just, we bought a box. We, un- we unboxed it. And an agility sprung out of it. I think any framework, I, 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 I wish people would just stop buying them. Stop it. Just absolutely stop it. Then go and look at your organization and say, we want to go agile. And again, we've talked a bit about this. Okay, so pick Scrum or Kanban and do it freaking well. And then start building your own agile uh, scaling based on tools and techniques. Like Spotify has some terminology and some approaches and some ideas that could be very useful. Mm-hmm. So, so pull them over. But do it thoughtfully, not because Spotify said. Like, like everyone who's scaling, I, I think there should be a scaling group in the company that should be thoughtfully building their own scaling platform from the tools and techniques and lessons learned that are out there, uh, but customizing it for themselves. I'm, I'm tired. Of, and then, and then they're not blaming anything because they're building it for themselves. Yeah. React to that. What do you, so, so I, I go ahead. I align with it very closely. And one of the directions that we evolved to, as we were taking this, frameworkless approach was manifesto driven. Oh, you you did this. Yeah, what that's I just what said. What I just said. If I had a coffee and a donut, I, I think you just to relax while you talk, I'm sorry. But did, you did this approach, did you? And it worked. Yeah. Yeah. But we we admittedly stumbled our way there and we over-rotated and over-adopted various things. But what we found as our Agile coaches and I sat down and would retrospect on what's going well, what's not, what what doesn't feel right, one of them said, let's just look at the manifesto and do our actions align with that or do they go against it? And that really was the sounding board that we used to decide should we do this or should we not? Is it too much? Is it too little? Is it just right? That, that, that was where we directed all of the conversations to as we started to learn more and more of the systems and frameworks that were out there. As I mentioned, at one point I, I went to a safe class and that was not too long after Bob had educated me about safe. Um, and in a very, uh, violent manner right he, he he did not like it so i walked into that class like this is going to be a total waste of my time like, i'm being here for four days this is just a terrible waste of time but i was able to pull out nuggets that made sense for us and we began to apply it but that was only because we realized the error in our ways and went back to the manifesto and said does this align if so, yes, let's try it. Let's experiment. Let's not decide that we're now safe version 7.0 and we're going to blindly apply all of it. Let's find the pieces that address the problems we have. And that's where so many 
people get into trouble is that we tend to over-engineer a solution. We're with good intent. We're trying to solve problems. The issue arises when we're solving problems we don't actually have yet. And I was the one that was most guilty of this during this time. And I was very lucky to have a group of of agile coaches that would call me out and say, Josh, I hear you. I understand. We might have that problem. We don't have it right now. Once we add our 10th squad, we'll probably have that problem. But let's not solve a problem we don't have yet. And unfortunately, a lot of these frameworks solve problems you don't have right now. So you feel like, hey, I've got everything I need. But that's, that's again, that's a silver bullet. You don't have a silver bullet for your own team because your team's going to grow and evolve and change. So you can't assume that there's going to be one solution to every size of your team as it grows or shrinks or whatever happens. I mean, ex- extend that to you may never have those problems. Right. We're trying to I, – I think the thinking is what you described, Josh, is an agile approach to scaling. Mm-hmm. I heard I was pulling nuggets out. I have to remember them. But you said, I sat down with my coach, coaches. Mm-hmm. We uh, we thought about things. I pulled nuggets out of safe. I pulled nuggets out of uh, Spotify. Mm-hmm. Uh, you used the term we a bunch of times. So you were doing it as a team. You reflected. You said we retrospected. We reflected. We iterated we evolved, right? You didn't mm-hmm. quite say it that way. So everything I just said, Metacasters, is Josh took an agile approach to scaling an agile instance. He built it as a team. He was grabbing patterns that worked and trying them out. He was running experiments. Um, I think I think very few folks there folks are intimidated by that because that requires hard work and thoughtfulness. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's uh, the contrary to that is I want to spend one hundred thousand dollars. I want to buy safe. I want to do some training. And now my work is done here. Metacasters, this is the sound of me wiping my hands and my job is done and I can go on to playing golf or ta- or doing the next you know multimillion dollar deal with a client because I'm done with scaling. And Josh, he didn't say that, but he was never done. Right. He was iterating on it. He had to figure it out mm-hmm. and, and modify it. But that, that's that's actually the tension. What we're doing is taking an inherently, you know, iterative thing and an exploratory thing. And we're trying because it's hard and we don't want to you know, because we're lazy to a great degree. Right. We're, the folks are lazy. It's like I want to buy it so I don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, it's like, like buying one of those knives. What are those knives that scouts? You know, sort of a knife that has all those tools in it. Right. You don't, but you, you know, it has 40, like a pocket knife that has 40 things. I actually bought one of those years ago. I think I, I used the blade and maybe a <laughs> screwdriver. Right. Yeah. But I had, <laughs> but I had all this crap that I lugged around just in case I, I might need it. You know, it had a scissors. Did you ever see those knives and they have yeah. like a scissors? Oh, yeah. yeah. Does anyone on the planet Earth ever use that freaking scissors? No, no, maybe one person, right, to stab themselves in the eye because the damn knife weighs a ton and you're lugging it around, right? I'm, I'm kidding around. It's I think it's laziness. The other thing is traditional thinking where it's a project and you buy it and you deploy it, right? You're, you're looking to solve, I'm going to solve the problem once. 
I react to what I'm saying. I just, I think there's a big laziness factor here. And, and, a, you know, sort of a, here we are trying to be agile, but when we get to scaling, we want a one size fits all thing. Like yeah, we throw out all of our, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. That, that's the thing that you said that really like hit me. Like it was a ton of bricks was you talked about, we're trying to implement an approach where we're doing these small batches of learning and then we adjust. But yet for some reason, we're afraid to do that with a process that supports that. We're trying to just plop in an answer and be done. We're trying to do waterfall with this framework. So we're trying to waterfall implementing agile and it just doesn't make sense. Like I, I never put that together, but, but that's a fantastic thing of, Hey, we're trying to teach the the team to do all these things and do all these patterns yet. We're not doing it ourselves. Like that's just, that's terrible. I actually, you know, I'm anti-safe, but it sort of applies to a lot of them. I, I talk about descaling safe. In, in fact, the example I just gave, I just was talking to these guys. And it was like, you know, they have this full-blown safe. And it's, I mean, this is their first uh, PI, Josh. They mm-hmm. just started. They just started. And they have a seven sprint. So they completed like a, you know, a large PI. And then everyone's micromanaging it for God's sakes, right? Oh, velocity and normalized points and this and that. And they were asking me, I'm like, they just started. Uh, of course, it's not working. So right. like, what, what do you think they should focus on? Do you know what my answer was? It was get scrum right. And you heard, we've said this so many times. It's yeah. like get strong scrum teams. And then I was like, do release planning because you have cross team dependencies. Right. Mm-hmm. I did, you know, PI planning, but I'm not stuck on PI as safe describes it. But I'm like, if it was me, the execution engine, you need to focus on. And, and they're focusing on the. This is the problem. They're focusing on the entire box. Oh, we need to get good at safe. Well, that's a hundred thousand little things you got to do. Yeah. You know, why don't you boy again, agile thinking, for God's sakes, imagine that. Why don't you focus on a couple of things and get them working? So scrum teams, focus your lens there and get your cross team planning done and get sort of the execution engine, get that honed a little bit and stop. Don't worry about anything else. So descale into thinking, right? Uh, go ahead. So I, I'm just trying to figure out how we as an agile community, this is, such a common challenge. What, do you have any thoughts or ideas on why this I, on on why you and I have talked about this numerous times, and it continues to come up to the point where I get fired up. I don't get fired up that much, but this really got me fired up. And here we are, I, we're talking about it again. I'll pick on myself, and I haven't done it in a while. And it's I suck. I'm a traditional agile leader. My little heart's in the right place. When you and I first met, before you worked at Dude, I, I encountered some of this thinking. Leaders try to help their teams. So what do they go? Oh, we need a framework. Oh, we need a tool. Oh, we want to anticipate the future. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh, by the way, if we can get a sexy picture that really looks like it'll grow with us. <laughs> okay, fine. That's that's really great. So our, our little hearts are in the right place. And we, we disengage our brain. Right. We disengage our brain and we stop thinking the right way because we're trying to help. So I think the fingers are pointing at traditional leaders. 
that we we're the problem in this case. We're trying to buy we're trying to buy a solution to a problem in advance. Uh, one that is myopic thinking. It is wrongheaded mm-hmm. thinking. It is mm-hmm. traditional thinking. Um, a lot of people, again, some people are, you know, not so smart. Some people, their hearts are in the right place, but it's still the wrong approach. And we're trying to avoid hard work, hard exploratory work, right? Uh, and just it's silver bullet thinking. I, I think it's a leadership problem. It continues, yeah. right? You look at, I mean, come on, I'll, I'll pick on dude a little bit. When I encountered dude, someone oh, yeah. had blown up this this damn picture, the damn safe picture on like a three foot by five foot placard and they're dragging it around in the hallways, exciting, excitedly sort of espousing that we've solved, we've solved the scaling problem <laughs> solutions. And here's what it is. And Metacasters, I don't think they had a team at that point. Like let nope. read my lips. I don't think there was a fully fledged scrum team at that point. But everyone is getting really excited about solving the scaling issue that's probably 20 years away. <laughs> like no one who's there will still will still be working <laughs> at the point when they would need that solution. That that's actually a nice, with all due respect to everyone, that's a nice sort of working example of the thinking that leads to this problem, right? Um, like thinking ahead, managing ahead, mm-hmm. anticipating ahead. I, I think it's man- I think it's management cluelessness. I, I really do. What do you think? I'm just I, I'm I'm wrestling with a few things in my brain. Um, so it so it's getting messy in there. So listeners, I'm going to do my best to get words out in a reasonable line, just that makes sense. I. But you've you've seen silver. We talk about this. Be clear. Silver bullet thinking. Now yeah. you see it at a team level. So that's just that's just center on that. This is silver bullet. Let's have an easy solution. Can I buy it? Right? Silver mm-hmm. bullet thinking. You you see the same thing with, with systems and architectures at times. Like, can I buy this component and can it solve world hunger for me? So I'm I'm not isolating it. You know, it happens within on the technology side too. But I think on the on the leadership side, it's anticipatory management. It's silver bullet thinking. Uh, it's trying to do things too soon. So do you think it is because we're asking people to wade into an unknown space for themselves? So they're trying to cling onto something that can solve the problem that they can put their head on a pillow at night and say, safe will protect me. Safe will be my guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and absolutely. Gets me there. Oh, you're, you're banking on Dean Leffingwell. So the big picture and Dean Leffingwell and all of his oodles and oodles of experience that I can buy it and it, and it sort of divorces me from having to do the hard work myself, right? Right. Dean has solved the problem for, or Spotify has solved the problem. Spotify solved the problem for Spotify. Mm-hmm. Dean is just having some meta picture, right? I don't. I don't know if Dean Leffingwell has actually worked in a company and bet his paycheck on a scaling. I, right. I, 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 I don't think he's earned money and been at risk 
right? He's he comes off as a subject matter expert in that space. Uh, he ha- I don't think he grew safe out of the reality of lessons learned. From that point of view, I, I respect the Spotify folks. It wasn't vaporware. It wasn't a solution yeah. for right. a problem. Whereas safe again, Dean has experience, but I know I know for a fact that he hasn't worked. You know, oh, I he worked in a company for five years and from the ground up figured out what scaling meant there. Cool. Do that again. Do that again. Do that again. Start looking for patterns and then safe evolve from that and have skin in the game so that if you fail, you know, I mean, there's there's skin in the game, right? You had lessons, you had failures, you had successes. And then you he it didn't come out of it that way. It was it was built as a framework and then sold and then he evolved it. So, so I think leaders are looking for it. It's like, yeah, they actually look at it as, I mean, coming back to my conversation, Josh, I'm sure those folks bought safe because there's low risk. Guess what's happening now? They're struggling with safe, <laughs> right? So it wasn't lower risk. You can't, you can't buy solutions to culture. You can't buy. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. You can't buy solutions to you know, to like organizational structure. You just can't buy that stuff. I, I talked to them about role confusion. Uh, it was funny. I was, I brought up because safe introduces all these roles, right. Or additional roles. Yeah. And, right. and the answer was, I, it was, I've never heard this. And the guy, the leader, he was like, yeah, it's brought up four levels of role confusion. I didn't even say anything. I'm like, holy shit. They don't have one level of role confusion, and he and, and 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 he sort of he listed the role confusion, and I'm like, wow, yeah, oh wow, that too, oh crap, right? So it was, and and those are issues, um, yeah, and they would have had challenges building it. So getting back to the premise, I yeah, I'm, I I get really angry with that thinking. Uh, I wish it's why I push towards uh, what Scrum and Scale, like the simpler frameworks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still frameworks, but they're simple. So they're much simpler. So there's less moving parts and it's easier to figure out and you can use them and you can mix and match a little bit more. But I still, I'm still anti, I'm becoming more anti framework and pro yeah. hard work, put the tools together on your own. Damn it. Think, and not just as a leader, like that's what you said. That magic thing at dude, you you had a we mentality, right? right. You mm-hmm. built a scaling framework together with the people doing the work, and you kept what worked, and you jettisoned what didn't work. Yep. Right. Okay. So we are a newly minted leader in an organization that's trying to adopt agile. What's what's our and you just listened to our podcast you're like this is perfect this is going to help me help me go figure it out what do you what do you do now what would your approach be because I got my uh, view but I want to hear what you would do we've talked about this mm-hmm. don't scale get your damn teams working well right get your team so pick Scrum do it well. If you have cross-team interaction challenges, then figure out how to sort them out. But but step one is get your execution engine going. And it's not just having a daily stand-up or daily scrum. It's execution. It's estimation. It's morale. It's cohesive teams. 
Uh, it's getting people that will tell you when you're full of crap. So it's courage. It's living some of the scrum values. So create, mm-hmm. cr- create an arena where your teams are performing well. So that's to me, that's step one. Uh, if you have a hundred teams, I hear this, but Bob, I have a hundred teams. Okay. You have a pro you have a challenge, get a hundred teams working well, or get 20 working well, or 10 working well before mm-hmm. you, but, but don't, and this happens, Josh, I can't tell you how often this happens at scale. I have a hundred teams. What's the first step safe or whatever, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. It's whatever. And I look under the covers. I'm like, Holy crap. What did you do to these teams? Well, we trained them in safe. And and they put it, they throw them in a PI planning session, Josh. Yeah, like a I three day they, event. Yeah, I, I know these poor teams. They have a yeah. one day training. This is not a right. We're doing save, and then and then it's like commit, commit to your PI, commit to your terrain, and then the poor things go back. So so I would say teams first, and and which is inherently going to slow folks down. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to scale a hundred teams. Right. You're going to be more thoughtful and it's going to, quote unquote, slow you down. That's fine. Then focus on that. That would be step one for me. Yeah, I the thing that I would suggest is same thing to you. Start with Scrum and just do it by the book until it breaks. I'll get, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yes. But and have then, discipline. Right. So, and, and, and don't bail on it because you know what? It's hard. If it wasn't hard, you'd probably already be doing it. So accept that it's hard. Start doing it. Fight through the struggle, figure out the thing. And one of the things you said that I really latched on to is you can't buy culture. So you're, you're also trying to implement a cultural shift in how people work together. You are fundamentally asking them to work in a different manner. That takes time. That takes effort and energy. So you have to invest in that. Then as things start to break and or fall apart, then make changes. But what I really encourage people to do is read and learn and listen to all of the things and find the bits and pieces that solve the new problem that you have because something changed. Maybe your team grew or whatever. Something changed and now it broke the process that you had. Understand the thing that changed. And is that change good or is that change bad or is that change we can't control? So we just have to find a way around it. And if so, then, then find the appropriate change experiment, start small, try it, abandon ship. If it doesn't work, try something else, but don't expect that there's going to be that silver bullet. That's going to give you exactly what you want. All right. So we're going to take a break from our content and focus on social geez. Social justice. I'll learn how to say the words, Bob. I promise. So as we talked about a couple episodes when we had our Black Lives Matter, what we wanted to talk about was on a recurring basis, Bob and I are going to share what we're doing to try and make a difference. So I've got a couple of notes. Uh, Bob, if you have any things that you want to cover, fire away. So for me, uh, what have I done? Actions. And we were talking about being action oriented. Mm -hmm. I'm running a Cal class called Cal Africa. At a low cost, I have three or four people in that. Uh, so it's that's targeted for people of color, uh, particularly in Africa, in Nigeria and Kenya, to make it available to them, uh, but also anyone you know in the U.S. Mm-hmm. At, a, at a very approachable cost, and that's out there. Uh, I am a card-carrying member of the uh, ACLU now, 
I never thought I I would say that. Right. Um, ever. Uh, so did they so send you a card? I, no. If you if you oh. make contributions, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I got a card in the mail. I'm I'm really proud of it. Oh really? They sent you a card. Wow. No, no, a physical card. I I wow. can I can flash out my ACLU card uh, to folks, and I'm I'm proud of it. Uh, I'm I'm kind of I think it's cool. I'm gonna and I'm going to come up with a monthly. I, I haven't set it up yet, but I, I did a large upfront contribution, and I want to do a, a monthly contribution to those guys. Uh, so I've so practically I've done that. Uh, the other thing that's kind of cool is I'm starting to reach out, reach out, reach out to folks, Josh. Uh, so instead of having people come to me, I'm going to to folks, uh, folks of color, or and I'm a, I'm being inclusive of women. I'm so I want to approach mm-hmm. women and see if I can help. Uh, folks of color, uh, female, right. I, I want to, I want to try to do what I can. So I'm coaching some folks. I'm, I'm targeting that. Uh, third, fourth thing is I'm co-presenting some cow classes, uh, mm-hmm. with some women. So I'm doing some co-presenting, co-mentoring and things like, so that's, I've taken some specific actions, uh, that you can, that, you know, you can see in my classes and I'm pretty, mm-hmm. I'm very pleased with it. So good. That's, cool. that's where I, that's where I'm that's where I'm landing. All right. Well, thanks for doing your part, Bob. So I'm going to talk about one of the things that I've really struggled with is there's some people in my network that when all of this came out, and I started to think back to discussions I've had with them or talks or anything like that, that it um, was apparent to me that they were insensitive in many ways, specifically around race. And I just, in my mind at the time said, all right, well, I'm just done with them. I'm just not going to continue to have, have a, a, a friendship or have them be folks that I talk to. And for a couple of days, that's kind of how I rolled. And then I realized that I'm actually, perpetuating the situation by not speaking with them and by not addressing the problem and challenging them, challenging them to do better. That sounds cool. One of the things that I really struggled with was like, how do I do that? So I actually started reaching out to people that I know and trust that I thought could help me figure out how to have that conversation with someone that I've known for a long time, someone that I care about, right? That, that, that I need to find a way to have this, 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 this discussion. And I am almost positive that the reaction is not going to be good when I strike that up. And I want to make sure that I'm, uh, that I've got the tools to tackle that. And I didn't feel like I did. And one of the things I got, uh, referred a book that is called So You Want to Talk About Race. Um, and I haven't started reading it, but it's ordered. It gets here on Saturday. I actually ordered a couple of copies to share with my family uh, because I really want us to do everything we can to not be idle and sit by, but to actually start to make a difference and have informed conversations that start to change hearts and minds. And that's really what I was trying to do. And, and I was like paralyzed. Like I didn't know how to do it. Like I felt it was going to be a disaster. Um, but now after getting help, I feel more confident. I've, 
I, I have a plan for the talk and I'm, and I'm ready to make it happen. And, and the book comes on Saturday. So I'm going to tear, tear through it as quick as I can and get as many tips as I can. So that way I can be effective and just start making folks understand the privilege that they have and how there are times or things that are said, um, whether they meant it or not, it's harmful. Um, so that's the big thing that I've been wrestling with for gosh, weeks now that I, I felt this responsibility. Like I have to say something if I don't, I'm just enabling it to keep on going. And, and in reality, that's how we got here. Um, so I'm trying to do my part to not let that happen in whatever little way I can. And as I get better at it, I'm sure I'll start addressing larger and larger problems out there, but, um, that's where I'm at. I think you should share not so, so Metacasters, I sounded like, you know, I'm doing this, this, and this, and, uh, and I am, and I'm proud of what I'm doing, but I'm using money and I'm, I'm putting time there. But Josh is actually talking about, I'm just raising what he said as being important. He's challenging himself personally to have those crucial conversations that are scary and we avoid and can, and can have, all kinds of, you know, expected and unexpected consequences, but he's sort of boldly going there to have that. Uh, I, I actually raise it. That's not a little thing, Josh. I think that's a big thing. Uh, that's, that's really what I wanted to say. That's a really big thing to enter that. Cause that's, that's personal risk, right? You're yeah. putting relationships yeah. at personal risk. So I want to, I want to applaud that. That's, that's really the net net. I think you should, yeah. it would be useful for you to share like yeah. in a blog or something, yeah. you know, later, not the personal details, but like how to do that. Cause I think everyone, I struggle with those conversations. Yeah. I have people near and dear to my, like you're doing that. I'm avoiding that. Like the plague right now. Not, not quite that badly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that's hard stuff to, to step into. Yeah. I would, again, love to, I would love to hear how it works for you. Go ahead. Yeah. And as we go back, if you listen to how I've talked about these things is that I feel this responsibility that I should have felt um, from day one when I met these people and when I would hang out with them or do whatever I did with them. Right. It just there are things that were said that I just let slide and I feel terrible about that. So now I've got to. I've got to go fix that problem. So, so we'll see how it goes. I'll, I'll, I'll certainly share throughout the way. Cause um, just like the reason we do this podcast, you know, I just want to help Bob and I just want to help. So hopefully that as we share these things, it gives you a little extra confidence, someone to reach out to that, Hey, we're, we're trying to make a difference and here's ways that you can too. And we would love to hear from you guys. This is something we said on day one is that we know we don't have the answers. And if anybody out there has anything they think we could or should be doing that would help, we're all ears. All right. Well, let's get back to the content. I actually don't think it's almost like snake oil salesman, Josh. I don't think scaling is that hard of a problem. I think scaling, you know, it's what team. So solid team. Uh, we need a cross team planning thing call it release level planning. Uh, we mm -hmm. need a scrum of scrum for orchestration of some sort. Don't, don't think that like waterfall. Uh, we need some kind of pipeline portfolio management. And it's nice to have some de description like Spotify provides for like structure. 
team structure, names, mm-hmm. how do we handle teams and cross and cross team interactions and things like uh, guilds and things. That's useful. That's incredibly useful. But that yep. was like five things I just listed. I only I didn't list eight thousand. I didn't say architectural runway, blah blah blah, or you know what value stream engineer, <laughs> blah blah blah. Right? It was just some simple things. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that we did, I mentioned earlier that we took a manifesto driven approach of would the manifesto approve. Then the other thing that we did as we started to scale things up, we just realized we started with scrum with just one squad. Then we grew and we grew and we grew. And you know what? We got really darn good at scrum. So let's just like lean on the thing that we're, we're good at. Let's not try and add another bit in that maybe we've never done before like this is hard enough we don't need to add in all of these other new things that we've never done before let's let's just take the thing that we've done and do it with a different scale so we had a backlog for every squad we had a cross squad backlog so it just was the same thing of we've proven that we can Build, manage, maintain, and work on a backlog. Let's just do that. We Guess what? We have ceremonies that refine it, that do a retro and figure out ways to make it better. We just did that. So I really line up with you when you said, you know what? Scaling is not that hard. We try and make it hard. But in reality, you've succeeded getting here. Can you apply those same principles one more level up? And in my experience, the answer was yes. I resonate with what you're saying, Josh, you and I, I'm like, so in 2007, I worked at Siemens healthcare systems briefly, Malvern, Pennsylvania, a hundred at the time, it was the largest scrum instance in the world. This was pre framework bullshit, uh, scaling framework bullshit. All those poor blokes had was scrum, scrum of scrums, XP at a team level. Mm-hmm. And that was it. They had a huge product, 120 teams in a line towards three product areas. So like 40 teams, 40 teams, 40 teams rolling up. Uh, that worked. They had a scrum of scrums, of scrum of scrums. They Everything they did, they created on their own, leveraging the intent of scrum. And they had the notion of, oh, what would it look like if we just bumped it up a level? But that's not mm-hmm. create a thousand things. Right. They, didn't, they didn't create a thousand roles. Uh, there was product owners. They had different levels of backlog, just like you described. Guess what? It worked beautifully for them. Was it perfect? No, it wasn't perfect at all. But it worked for them. They built it from these very simple. I don't know. And I love what you said about the manifesto. I don't know if they were so aligned, but like everything, have a baseline. Like the anchor, or the hook is what would, you know, are we building something that's out? Out of principle, right? Mm-hmm. Out, outlined mm-hmm. in our principles. Uh, 120 teams. There's not that many bigger instances now. That's a re- that's a relatively robust scaling effort. Yeah. And you know what they never talked about, Josh? Scaling. They didn't. They they really didn't. I mean, it it wasn't like scaling this and value stream. They didn't do value stream mapping. They did store. They didn't have all the grandiose terminology and flow, and they got shit done. I that's what I'm really. I'm resonating 100 percent with what you what you're saying. And uh, yeah, I, I know there are you know huge 
companies. But if you if you can't you know dominate the universe with 120 teams, you know, I, I mean that's a tr- that's a tremendous capacity, is what I'm saying, right? That's yeah. a lot, right? I could get people to the moon with that it, because those teams are efficient and effective. They're not waterfall teams; they're agile teams. Okay, so let's 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 boil it down. Let's wrap it up. Oh, we want we want to land this. Please land it. You're the yeah. you're the ma- maestro of landing. Land us. <laughs> so you're in this position. Two things: don't overcomplicate it. Use the things that you're good at, and it's just that simple. It, or did I oversimplify it? No, don't make a big. We're making too big of a deal out of it. The snake oil salesmen are making too big of a deal out of it. Is it hard? Yes. But focus exactly on what Josh and I are saying. Because they're missing that. And guess what happens, Metacasters? You can't. It's the foundation. So it's a house of cards. And it, and it falls down. And it falls down. And it falls down. So it's it's just not the right approach. We need to stop it. Um, I, I wish we... Now... What we need to do is provide like a toolkit or something mm-hmm. you know, or someone. It would be wonderful if someone boiled it down into a few. And I'm not talking about you're selling a toolkit, but, you know, a few pages or a few ideas or a few stories to get people going so that they gain a little bit of confidence. Right. And maybe there's some coaching around this, some part time coaching. But I think the net net is you can do it. Uh, and 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 grow your own. Be a home brewer. Don't go out there and buy, you know, you can home brew wonderful scaling agile beers. Try it. <laughs> I don't I don't know how to end it better than that. <laughs> uh one thing, Josh, I have a few uh po- uh blog posts that I'd like to link to this. So I don't okay, know cool. when you're gonna do but that's so Metacasters look I have a few things that I think would be really useful uh, as starting points to get your thinking going. Yeah. Okay. So check in the show notes below and we will link those. We have a couple of the links that we'll probably include um, at some point the, or actually not at some donut, point, but with us. Yeah. Donut, the, the, uh, donut donut better get in here. Yes. Yeah, it's out there. All right. So from, be- so from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina. And from slightly more beautiful Fuquay Arena, North Carolina. I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all.